Oh man, thank you so much for all of the reaction that's come through from that story that we covered just before the news. And a big thanks to Dandika Bjorkas for the news at the top of the hour, uh, keeping us well, well informed during the course of Marawa Sports Worldwide. Right, let's uh, quickly change gear now. A voice that you would have heard uh, many, many years ago, especially on this show. He was ever available to give us uh, the latest updates. Uh, we haven't spoken to him in quite a while. Um, but you know what? We just thought he probably would be the better person, the best person to uh, find out a thing or two because we've seen this growing trend in the country of buying of status, of clubs, and certainly in the last couple of years. And this year, with two clubs currently playing in the top division, uh, courtesy of this privilege, it's all happening. It's all happening in front of us. And there's a real danger uh, that comes with this. What are the legal implications uh, when there's debt that is involved? What happens if the club whose status is purchased actually owns or owes the players money? I mean, we just dealt with the rugby story. But what happens within the football sphere if they are owed money? So be it outstanding salaries or signing on fees or settlements following unfair dismissals, on whose lap does that lie on? Whose lap does that sit on? Hey, whose desk can we find all of that now, these are all the questions that need a couple of answers. Now, there's a man who knows all about uh, everything legal, everything that is football, advocate Zola Majavu, and uh, there's no better person as well to explain everything that we need to know about uh, buying the club as a company and what you'll be liable for. Advocate Zola Majavu, wow. It, it seems surreal that we have you on this line. Thank you for affording us your time in your very busy schedule. Good evening, Rob, and good evening to your wonderful combined listeners. It's indeed a privilege and an honor. Uh, I do not use that title because I wear too many hats, so Zola Majab is good enough for me for our purposes this evening. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for having me. You used to call them your listeners. Have you given them back to me now? They are still yours until you formally... <laughs> baptize me again, then I will claim ownership of them again. I have no difficulty doing that. <laughs> All right. No, thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, I know that you still, you know, do work locally within the football sphere. I know that you still do work as well um, with the people in Zurich, with FIFA. Uh, so like you say, many, many hands being worn. But what has faced us, which wasn't as prevalent um, Advocate Majavu, as when you were still as visible from a football space, if I put it that way, as what we're seeing now, and that is status buying, debt that is owing from the previous owner, etc. And then there's finger pointing to say, no, 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 no. When these guys came in, let's say a coach was um, either fired and is now coaching somewhere else, and then they want to put that liability on whoever has bought the status, although those people had nothing to do with the firing of a coach of that nature. How can you guide us along in terms of responsibility of debt in this situation? Um, <clears throat> Rob, uh, firstly, perhaps let me start off with a disclaimer so that I am not unduly you know, constrained in, in my engagement with, with our listeners because I'm one who likes explaining and perhaps at times oversimplifying things. As you would know, I am still a part of the league in a sense that I'm a member of the licensing body. 
and ordinarily before the season starts, I would have the privilege of sitting alongside two other panel members to evaluate all clubs who are seeking to be licensed ahead of a season. So I want to make it absolutely clear that I am speaking purely as a lawyer and someone who has operated in that space, and I would uh, refrain from referring to any clubs by name because I'm not a communicator of the league. The league has got its own communication machinery headed by people I respect a lot and who are more than competent. So I want to speak as a lawyer. So where I become general, it mustn't be because I'm not sure of my story, but I'm trying to respect the protocols. And if listeners can just accept that upfront so that I don't get into unnecessary trouble uh, holding myself out as if I'm speaking for the league. I'm not, for the record, uh, but I will speak as a lawyer and clarify whatever I am able to, to clarify and give some examples purely to illustrate the point. No, absolutely. And, 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 we, and we do accept that. And, and we will keep it as, I won't say generic, but we will not bring in names per se. But, you know, I think people are pretty smart enough to work out at times what is, what is at play. It's just that it's important and we don't have somebody of your expertise uh, that is easily available um, for comment, but also gives the kind of detail that I know you are able to produce. So as I said, w- w- when all of these purchases are made and there is a takeover, but there's an obvious debt that is still there and mm-hmm. somebody still owed money or the coach has moved on, uh, but then he was fired and within um, a part of him being fired, he, you know, his contract was still in existence and then somebody else uh, then becomes liable for that. Is, is that proper? I mean, who, who has to deal with what? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a fair scenario that you have sketched, uh, Rob. I, I hope I'll be equal to the task. Perhaps let me first start off by talking about the hierarchy in football mm-hmm. because then everybody would understand who plays what role, who shoulders what responsibility. Uh, the professional league in the form of the PSL, obviously is constituted by 32 clubs, which are owned by various entities uh, as corporate entities. And they are a commercial entity and they ply their trade whichever way they so wish. Mm-hmm. And then at the national association level, then the league is an associate member. And uh, at the continental level, CAF then becomes the continental body and international FIFA then becomes the international body. Now, for any transactions that happen in any country, in any jurisdiction, the the professional league is largely responsible to govern its own affairs. It does so at two levels. Contractually, to the extent that there may be disputes about monies being owed by who to who, and there is also at the enforcement level, which is the role that I occupied, where clubs do not respond to the protocols, the constitution, the rules, in the event where there are those uh, transgressions, the league through the disciplinary committee would then enforce discipline. Because in football, it is generally accepted that uh, you don't rush off to the courts. That kind of conduct is frowned upon. However, nationally and locally or domestically, you need to have sufficient and adequate alternatives. You can't say Rob can't go to court when he is aggrieved. But there in the SABC, for example, there are no suitable avenues that he can exhaust. So in this instance, the league would then have judicial bodies in the form of a dispute resolution chamber or the DC. 
So for purposes of the question that you have put to me, we can all accept that the dispute will be one of a contractual nature, where Club A sells its status or its assets to Club B. What then happens as to the regulation of that transaction? Because if we understand that, we will then easily understand who plays what and at what point does whoever shoulder some form of responsibility. So your starting point would be two clubs as corporate entities are at liberty to transact in whichever manner they so wish. So Marawa 11 gets sold to Majavu 11 and Marawa and Majavu will conclude a sale agreement that says what is it that you are buying as part of this transaction? You are buying the name, you are buying the goodwill, you are buying the assets, you are buying the liabilities, and everything else. Mm. And for that, you will pay X amount of money. That then recorded in an agreement between the two parties. The league does not become part of those discussions. The league does not negotiate on behalf of either party. But remember, Marawa and Majavu seek to participate in a structure that is regulated by the league. So at some point, the two parties will have to approach the league to say, this is an above table transaction that we are concluding, but we seek your blessings. At that point, the league would then pull out its rules and constitution to say, in a transaction of this nature, what are the minimum requirements that must be complied with by the selling party and also by the buying party? To make sure that the rules of the league are themselves not compromised, and also to make sure that the players and other officials who fall under the jurisdiction of the league are not compromised. And if those boxes are ticked, for example, the league is satisfied that the two parties that are transacting in a manner that they wish to do so is done so in full compliance with the rules and the constitution of the league, the league will then give that a thumbs up in terms of the approval. But what usually is critical and that is not disclosed to the league or to other non-contracting parties is how did you arrive at the price? What is that price entailing? Now, to drill it further down, usually when you buy a status or a club, and I'm using these words very loosely, you will need to know what is it that you are buying. You also need to know the level of indebtedness of that stake that you are buying. For example, it would not make sense for Robert Marawa 11 to say, I want Majavu 11 status. When mm. Majavu does not even disclose that Majavu owes SARS, Majavu owes players, Majavu owes uh, the mm. DC in the form of fines, or he also owes players for unpaid salaries or transfer fees or uh, bonuses, whatever the case might be. That is actually at the heart of a contract that is concluded between Majavu and Marawa. So there is no way that Marawa can then turn around and say, eh, Majav, I didn't know that you owed so much for your players or you owed so much for SARS or Majavu once fined you and you still have a million bucks in outstanding DC fines. That forms the core of one of those material terms of that agreement. So there is no such a thing that Marawa will wake up having inherited the death from Majavu 11. It is something that you will know quite up front even before you conclude that agreement. So if, for example, there are judicial decisions 
which had the effect of fining you money or a ruling in favor of a player or a coach. Those are debts that you would assume if you so wish at the time that you decide to buy. Or you can say, in lieu of these debts, which I will assume, I'm asking or expecting to reduce the purchase price by the equivalent of those debts. If that is the case, then you as a new owner, you are assuming those debts. You don't just inherit them because you've bought the status or you've bought a club. It is a contractually negotiated and pre-agreed term. Now, at what point does the league get involved in the event of either of us not fulfilling our end of the bargain? It has nothing to do with the league. The league will hold to account a person that falls under their jurisdiction. So if Majav is sold to Marawa and Majav is exited, the league has no jurisdiction or authority over Majav. So the league won't pursue Majav. The league will pursue Marawa as its current member at the time of non-compliance. The same happens if, for example, Marawa owed his player the goalkeeper during the currency of the contract. But at the end of the contract, or for whatever reasons, that particular coach suddenly departs and goes to another jurisdiction. Obviously, the league or SAFA does not have authority over that player insofar as he is in another jurisdiction. So if he is playing his trade somewhere in Africa, SAFA, on behalf of the league or the affected club, will then go to CAF to enforce the order of that particular decision. Or if this person is playing in Europe, SAFA doesn't have authority over a player in Europe. Neither mm-hmm. does CAF. You then go to FIFA. FIFA will then say, hey, Club X in Europe, you need to make sure that this particular person complies with the obligations or the sanctions of disease that he left in another country. We call that a dispute with an international dimension. So on the contractual disputes, the disputes that go to FIFA are disputes pertaining to a party that has now left the jurisdiction of South Africa or Africa because CAF has jurisdiction all over the world. And CAF will not have jurisdiction over Majavu 11, who has unsold its status to Robert 11 because I'm not a member, I'm no longer in football, and therefore I am not under the authority or jurisdiction of FIFA. So FIFA will go to Marawa 11 and say, Marawa 11, there was an order of a DC or a DRC or a FIFA tribunal that said you need to pay so-and-so X amount of money. You, as Marawa 11, cannot say to FIFA, no, 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 it's not me, it is Majavu. FIFA doesn't give a damn because they can regulate its own member at the time. So you will have to make good of that order and then you, Marawa 11, in South Africa, you have to chase Majavu and then recover the money that you are forced to pay because of Majavu not having disclosed to you the true extent, or he might have disclosed that he just simply failed to honor his obligation. So those role players get in at those relevant time periods, but there is no such a thing as you wake up having inherited someone else's liability. It doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. And, and and thank you so much for the in-depth uh, analysis of that because it is at the heart of one of the disputes that we're currently tracking and following at the moment as the show. But then there's also 
Very quickly, Advocate Majav, the issue of the players and personnel that are hired by the previous club and how they are protected by what you would call football law uh, per se, you know, the outstanding signing on fees and salaries and so on. Is, is there legal recourse and protection that is offered to them in that regard? Yes, and I think that's a good question, and Robert, and here I will put my foot in it. In fairness to the league, they are absolutely, absolutely protected because it is an offense to comply with an order of one of the league's judicial bodies. And I am assuming that a particular player would have a dispute which he must vindicate through the league processes. It's not going to help that particular player to say, my club was sold and, uh, you know, I, I am left without a remedy. What needs to happen is that you need to take that dispute through the dispute resolution processes in the normal course. However, in fairness to the league, which is all 32 clubs who deemed it prudent to insert further provisions in their own rules and constitution. In that case, in the event where Club A and Club B were to change hands, one of the approval prerequisites is you must satisfy the league that there is nothing owing to the players, there is nothing owing to the receiver of revenue, there is also nothing owing to other coaches or even other clubs arising from maybe transfer loans and all of these other debts. Because if you cannot demonstrate that, you can rest assured that the league will not grant that approval. So in there lies the embedded protection against these players from being abused. However, it is not impossible that those who seek approval may provide incorrect information to the league and on the basis of which the league may make a decision that had the true state of affairs been disclosed, perhaps they could have made a different decision. But that's a different matter altogether because yeah. they will then be charged again separately for misrepresentation. But the fact of the matter is the league is alive to these issues and the league has got rules that can make sure that that protection is inbuilt. But what the league cannot do, because it is not privy to the contractual discussion between Marawa and Majavu, the league would not be privy to those discussions. However, the person seeking approval will have to declare to the league that I have made sure that all of my players' protection as contained in their contracts have been protected. I've made sure that coaches aligned to that particular club have been paid. And clubs that are owed money arising from transfers from this particular club that is now selling have also been paid. And only once those guarantees have been given, in fairness to the league, do they then give an approval. Mm-hmm. Do you find it strange at the rate? I mean, obviously, this is personal indulgence now. Just the the the, the rate of the status sales that are currently going on. I know it started a couple of years ago with the. Uh, with the Black Aces, Bumalanga Black Aces, and it became Cape Town City. And then since then, you know, not only is it just about the status, you know, being bought, it, it's also geographically clubs moving, losing their history, losing their traditions and everything else. Is, is there somewhere, I don't even know if it's a legal opinion that you could even have, maybe a personal one, in terms of why is it that we're seeing such a massive surge locally in the local game? Look, my, my personal observation, firstly, is a, a recognition that uh, the running of football 
is a business that is not uh, immune from the commercial realities that affect all club owners. And in fairness to them, some of these guys are self-made business people who are getting no assistance, no subsidy, nothing from the government, and yet they are, gener- they, they are the generators of the most consumed form of entertainment. You've got to give it to football. But the love of football alone, absent commercial support, uh, is also going to cause these types of problems. So this movement and these rapid sales doesn't come as a surprise. To me, I attribute it to, firstly, the freedom to contract in the manner that you didn't fit, but secondly, the economic realities that each and every club owner faces. Our sentiments and wanting to retain the culture, unfortunately, doesn't pay these bills. Clubs have to be paid. You get relegated. If your club was uh, used to paying a particular player 50000 post-relegation, it is not automatic that you are expected to accept a, a, a lower salary. But the reality is that the price money has dropped, the monthly uh, grants that you get has dropped, and maybe the sponsors are also running away. So there is a tight, a belt tightening exercise that happens all around. The league itself is now less fortunate than it was before because it had sponsors, and now sponsors are also leaving, not because they are not happy with the return of investment, but because the priorities of that particular company that was responsible for the sponsorship has shifted. So it's not so much a legal issue. I think it's for me, and, and I'm not an authority on this, it could be the harsh economic realities that we are facing. And that is why the league was alive to the fact that it has to make sure that it embeds built-in protection so that as and when we change hands for commercial realities, we do not leave those who are a core to your transaction, but not at the negotiating table disadvantaged. Because if you buy a club, it goes without saying that a club is nothing without players. Mm. A club is nothing without its management, you see. And sometimes you may buy a club because it, it has all of these sponsors. And by the time you buy, the sponsors may not want to be associated with the new owners, which is also a commercial reality. And the fact that you made a bad deal does not necessarily wipe away your liability in terms of what you owe your players, what you owe the coaches, what you owe other clubs, what you owe the receiver, none of that. And as a matter of fact, over and above that, as part of the licensing requirement, which all 32 clubs undergo at the beginning of each and every season, over and above the rules of the league, there are the licensing rules. And one of the things that you must satisfy the licensing body is that one Robert Marawa 11 does not have any monies due to players mm. two Marawa 11 does not have any monies due to other clubs three Marawa 11 does not have any monies overdue from tribunals four Marawa 11 does not have any monies overdue to the receiver and that Lastly, Marawa 11 is good to go as a going concern for another season. And the reason and the logic is obvious. Can you imagine if you license a club that turns out to be bankrupt and they are unable to meet their fixtures and other obligations in month three of a season? It's going to mess up the entire season. Absolutely. Because there are clubs that are fixtured to play against that particular club and uh, we would have gotten sponsorship on the basis that will give clubs uh, a sponsor so many televised games, blah, blah, blah. All of those commercial realities get messed up because of 
one club not having complied with its requirements. So that is why the licensing process precedes the commencement of every season. And it happens the world over. But I can put my foot in it and tell you that in Africa, we're probably one of the few leagues that are getting it right, in spite of all of these challenges. Because the league itself, through its 32 members, put out this onerous conditions over and above what is preordained by FIFA and CAF to say, we are going to judge ourselves as the Premier League of South Africa against these high standards to precisely make sure that we protect the sanctity of the league. We make sure that whoever we admit into our ranks will be financially good enough to see to all the 30 games that they are supposed to play. They will be able to travel continentally if they are required to do so on account of where they finish off in the lock standings. And these are things that the league itself self-regulates and they build them in into their own uh, prescripts. But of course, with all the best rules in the world, human nature is human nature. If people, for whatever reasons, elect not to disclose accurate information, the league, our league, FIFA, CAF, or other leagues may end up making decisions that had they known the truth, they would have perhaps approached cases differently. I, I, I want to I want to just quickly avoid where I have to seek counsel from you, um, you know, in the event that the SABC fires me for not um, acknowledging the time. I, I, I foresee okay. that we might need to have a, a, a full-on discussion. I'm excited about the club licensing issue, and I think we need to revisit that. Um, let's set aside time, uh, Advocate Majavo, because I really think that there's a lot that we can get out of that. But I want to thank you so much for coming on, clarifying so much that we needed to know around this issue, and just uh, being available really means a lot to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Bob. It, 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 it's always uh, a privilege and an honor, and then uh, in fairness to you, I will defend if the SABC accuses you of something wrong. You are doing this for, for the benefit of the listeners on the platform, but it's an honor. I'll avail myself wherever I can, my brother. Thank you so much. Advocate Zolama Javu uh, joining us right here on Mara Sports Worldwide. My goodness, you know, when you take in every single word of what's being said here, um, uh, and I know that from... Ayabongantawa's perspective and into Justice's, you know, legal mind. Uh, A lot of people that might need, uh, you know, legal minds around.